obviously the, one of the most successful periods of Superman was the 50s, the Mort Wiesinger stuff, which were hugely successful. They were read by kids, they were read by little girls, little boys. I think what was great was, and what he did was to take things we all understood, like you see, Superman suddenly has a dog and he's got a, a den with all his stuff in it and he's got uh, relatives who are aliens and he's got friends from the future. But the actual stories are all still about guilt and loss and fear and love and everything we understand, but on an epic scale. So if Superman walks a dog, he walks it past Saturn. <laughs> For the show this. about Grant Morrison, oh, you're talking about your dumb notes. Do. This is the second week in a row that you've done a completely uh-huh. irrelevant song. Actually, yeah, well, I don't know if they're going to air in that order. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> who knows? This might be a, this might be a callback that happens before its initial uh, initial beat, which is all Mitch Hurwitz wanted to do with Rest of Development season four, and it didn't work because time doesn't work like that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. And I am your host, Beth Scorzato. And this week, we are joined by the only man who has been annoying me with bits longer than Brandon, Alex Jarvis, my buddy from uh, from from my whole life. Hi. Welcome. Hi. It's, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely lovely to be here. That was... Uh, uh, just a real, a real heart racing intro there, uh, and <laughs> Nucle- nuclear level burn out the gate. God damn! Yeah, you put you put both me and Brandon in a strange position here, as yeah. we know. Um, okay, well, uh, I'm gonna vault. I didn't off of mean. That. I meant that as in in a very loving way. No, it's yeah. a distinction. I mean, the I look, Brandon. Brandon's been doing bits at me for 13 and a half years and you've got him beat by like a decade. Yeah, so. thanks. It's just, oh, it's a lot of pressure. Um, Hi, audience. Do we address the audience on this program? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, that's appropriate because uh, I- I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about my friend and soon to be yours, uh, Grant Morrison, who will address you directly by the end of this podcast. Excellent. Before we do that, though. Uh, let's do a quick round of things we're into this week. Brandon, I know you have one locked and loaded. You were so excited. Yeah, I do. It's really, really good. Uh, this was maybe the source of the most, it's been a rough couple weeks, uh, round about these parts. Um, and probably the purest, most joyful laugh I've had in a couple weeks came from, uh, I was going to suggest, uh, as my thing for the week, uh, watching dead and company shows on YouTube at 1.25 speed, um, which was something okay. that, uh, which is something that the, the, uh, they're usually awful, but occasionally the people of fantasy tour can be utter lunatic geniuses. And somebody suggested, uh, listening to dead and company at 1.25 speed. Uh, cause dead and co is often, uh, called dead and slow, uh, because they, they just play everything like, 
comically slow. Even the slow ones are, are slower. Um, and so it's 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 fun, but they're also just like, there's a reason I'll put these shows on to go to sleep sometimes. Um, but the thing I realized, uh, somebody suggested in, in one of the comments, the switch from 1.25 back to normal speed is brutal. And yeah. I was like, ooh, okay, now I gotta see this. So I queued up the Grateful Dead song, Althea, and I'll, t- I'll try to replicate the sound of this as best I can for the, the listener uh, mm-hmm. af- after, uh, after the show's over. But um, I had the chorus of it playing at 1.25. Or not the chorus, the like guitar jam of it. And then right at the start of the verse, I slowed it down to one. And it Is it looked... like that time I accidentally played that Janelle Monet album on the wrong RPMs? <laughs> Sorta. It it looked like John Mayer was having a stroke, or had or had just had a stroke and was trying to. That's just his guitar face. Well, yeah, but it it was the the compare the jump from seeing him play faster to then he's suddenly going at his normal speed. He just it looked like his face was like falling off of the bone. Um, Yikes! And I I laughed. The purest laugh. Um, and then I kept trying it on some other songs. I would jump from, like, I pulled up a, a Sugary, which is already a kind of slow, loping song, even for the the dead. And I slowed, I did the chorus, at, or the jam at 1.25, and then slowed the verse down to 0. 0.75. Oh, boy. <sighs> and it was... Now you're just doing that's just torturing yourself. It well it was like it was like he had, had Novocaine injected all over his face, but then hmm. remembered, oh shit, I have to play a dead show. This is not selling this. It was this so not funny. Making me want to go look at this. Now I've literally I I, I only listen to Weird Al Yankovic, so I'm gonna have to look up who any of these musicians are after that's all. That's fair. The Grateful Dead? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you don't know yeah. that one. No, I don't think uh Al has graced them. Oh well actually he has. Um, when he did <laughs> sweat, sweat. Don't worry, don't worry. You hit one of Brandon's fucking intersections, right? Yep. This is I've 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 put my hand in the lake, and now a fish has has grabbed me, and I cannot remove it. It was like my Winter Soldier awakening for, uh, awakening phrase. Right. I should have aimed for the head. <laughs> On his uh, ill-advised vanity tour, or whatever it was called, the like deep cuts and rarities tour uh-huh one of the like more standard songs he did was dare to be stupid but he did it like the grateful dead oh um wow. and it was he oh, basically so did it it was upset. basically trucking but uh dare to be stupid and it was one of those like m- like every it was a piece of media created for specifically <sighs> you yeah, yeah. Can I, okay, this is a, a very mild tangent. Can I just tell you something that yeah. I learned this week that frustrates me? Absolutely. I, I have a wall immediately behind where I am recording. On one side of that wall is a weird Al poster from his recent uh, tour, uh, the Boston poster. On the other side is like a six-year-old uh, Tim and Eric po- poster from when they toured with Steve Brule. Uh, I found out today that the Tim and Eric poster is poster 68 of 100, and the Weird Al poster is 70 of 100. I have, sorry, I just, I found this out, and it, like, 
that's the most unsatisfying. Oh. Yeah, like I might be a believer again. Don't tell my mom, but like I honestly might like okay, hold on there, Jibo. You might got something. You might have something. <laughs> oh, so close. That, oh. That would have been uh chef's kiss from the universe. Finally. Right? Some recognition for my beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> the only number that truly matters. Are you there, sexy Jesus? <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's my thing for the week. Uh right. watching Dead and Co. shows a fast and then slowing them down <laughs> slow. to, to see John Mayer <laughs> trying to play through a stroke. A wildly can, can... specific thing. It's like stopping the Looney Tunes and seeing the stretch. I don't know if that's more or less specific than Dom DeLuise's egg trick. <laughs> don't. We're not We're not talking about Dom. Dom... That's my Winter Soldier catchphrase. Hey, so. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten to Dom DeLuise's egg trick in your timeline yet. Uh, oh, it, yes, but they'll have heard they'll have heard that episode by the time they're hearing this. And I want um, I want our listeners to know that uh, last night at hmm, what was two thirty in the morning? Maybe yeah, probably. I'm climbing into bed, and Brandon's like, "Do you want to see Dom DeLuise's egg trick?" And then he spent like three <laughs> minutes trying to find the video. No, nowhere during that time did I say yes. Oh and yeah, he spends like three minutes trying to find the video, and then he shows it to me. And I was like, oh, I he he holds the video up and I'm like, oh, well, I didn't want to watch it anyway, but I'm also not watching like a 12 minute video. What the fuck is this? So please be warned, people. This is not a minute and a half video and I did not watch it. Yeah, it's seven minutes and 51 seconds. Yeah, and the egg trick not. is only about the first two and a half of it. God. Yeah, <laughs> The rest of it is literally jo- Johnny Carson and Dom DeLuise putting eggs down their pants. Put the right track underneath this podcast, and it is a horror film. Like, <laughs> this is just dumb Deloise egg tr- Oh, my, uh, oh, God. Pretty much. Uh, this week, I am into something that stresses Brandon the fuck out. Uh, no. The Circle is back. The Circle season two. Uh, and I watched the first season when it came out. It was like early on in quarantine. And I was just like, I don't know, whatever. And then I kind of found myself very like charmed and fascinated by it as like a sociological experiment in society jumping the shark. Um I don't know. And then season two came back and I'm finding it really interesting. I've watched all except for the finale because I think the finale is not out yet as of this taping. Um, It's just like after spending a year in quarantine, I'm finding the way that I watch this show so different and interesting because I'm like finding myself a lot more open to it and like less judgmental of it because I've now like spent a year understanding like what it's like to just like be trapped inside and not have human contact so it's like oh and then it cuts in like a semi-comedic way to this guy just lying in the middle of his living room floor moaning and I'm like yeah I get that now actually big mood yeah like I totally understand why you're just walking around talking to yourself I totally understand why you're playing drums on your pots and pans because what the fuck else are you gonna do um and anyway the circle the circle season two i also started walking watching the circle brazil um i just find the whole it's just i find it a fascinating strange experiment um i'm i I can't look away i hate it i I know it it really stresses brandon out i hate it i hate it i cannot be in the room when i'm watching it i hate it i hate it listen see the it it what it's it's a show that takes place in the moment 
like, say you're texting with someone and you send them, like, a flirty text for the first time and you're not sure if they're going to, like, volley back or be like, hey, you know, I I don't like you like that or any situation like that. And it's it's that moment in between those two things is the most stressful thing in the world uh, to me. And the circle is that the series. It's just it's just looking at someone's three dots typing. That's it. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. And I hate it. Yeah. If like Satan was like, "Ooh, we got a Wow. A lot of religion talk. That's going to actually continue, I think. But uh, if if the devil was just full on, like, what do we got to get for this Alex kid? And it was just like, oh, yeah, uh, he he sent a kind of risky text that he's not sure how it's going to be received. And now he's just waiting for those three dots like, oh, God, can I play it off that I meant like as a friend go to the movies or or like, where are we right now? Oh, boy, I'm going to need a minute. I don't know. I just, I, I can't help it. I find it so fascinating. I don't find it, like, I, I understand why people find it stressful to watch, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's really interesting, and I don't know. Circle, Circle Season 2, that's what I'm into this week. Alex, you into anything this week other than being, you know, the 69 in the sandwich? Uh, Yeah, no. Uh, Our Lord and Savior, no. Uh, yeah. the <laughs> That would be a really cool thing for me to just drop on you, that like, oh, by the way, since the last time we spoke, uh, I have Your gone. mom would, that, that one I couldn't hide from your mom. She'd feel a disturbance in the force. Yeah. <laughs> she would just know. Uh, I don't and listen. We're going to touch on religion, I think, before the end of the Grant Morrison sure. conversation. You have to, but uh, in to kind of bridge the gap, uh, I last night consumed a four issue uh, mini series uh, written by Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt uh, called uh, Modoc Head Games, featuring. I heard it's really good. It's it's so good. Uh, it's it's a really delightful so. Uh, I don't know very much about Modoc. I'm a DC guy, as we will learn. Not the films. We're not going to go into it. But uh, the the I mean, we can. Yeah, I think it should be a state too. <laughs> Cheap fuck. <laughs> all right, pretty. All right, well, here I go. So the uh, Modoc is a Marvel character. Uh, you've probably seen him somewhere. He's a large head with arms on the side and two little baby legs in like a cool floating. Uh, God, I don't know what to call it. It's a head helmet container helmet. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a really weird helmet. Kind of, kind of like Krang. Yeah, Krang. But like, if Krang was just the the brain part, yeah, yeah. but still the same size, right? And uh, I happen to have seen. Uh, I believe it's the production company that does Robot Chicken is putting out a uh, a show on Hulu featuring Modoc, voiced by Patton Oswalt. And it features Modoc having a like, you know, he has like a perfectly human wife and a perfectly human son and a daughter who is also a Modoc. <laughs> and I know very little about this character, only that like the recent Avengers game, which I, I have not played, he is the world ending villain of that game. Oh, he wishes. Well, that's the thing is that he's also played as a joke. So I was like, OK, what is this series going to be? And uh, I was not expecting to kind of get spoil the premise a little bit. I was a little shocked to see that the family from the upcoming TV show appears in the first episode uh, as a hallucination. And I went, uh, uh, huh. <laughs> and as it went on, uh, it became this comic that sought to resolve all of these various Modoc 
uh, like the the bloodthirsty killer that he's been sure. written as, and the complete dunderhead who's like an egomaniac, uh, and even like the old school Jack Kirby, just like mad scientist uh, pastiche gone gone to extremes. Uh, just suddenly, they all had this place in this grand Modoc timeline with a wink and a nod to the audience. And uh, it ended up being really neat, including this upcoming show. Like, even that has its own kind of place in this character. And it, it, it became this really deconstructive, honest, really funny uh, view at this, this, uh, this comic character. And uh, I was completely blown away. Uh, uh, just hilarious, hilarious writing. That's awesome. I, nice. think I've, I think I've only really been familiar with Modoc through the sort of more recent incanta- uh, incarnation where he's like kind of just a comedy character. Yeah. Like uh, the one that comes to mind first is uh, the Secret Avengers run mm-hmm. from, oh God, I have no idea how long ago that was now. Oh. Uh, but the one that had like Hawkeye kind of like he was in the Fraction run and uh, Katie Kate and uh, Coulson was in there. And uh, I think Scarlet, uh, not Scarlet Witch. Uh, <laughs> I almost said uh, Scarlet. Uh, why am I blanking? I on do her? not know what Scarlet, you're talking Scarlet about. Scarlett Johansson. I almost said Scarlett okay. Johansson, but I meant uh, Black <laughs> Widow. Um, oh sure. But that that was a like a wild run that that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, and this and because uh, it, it's really easy. He's a he's a fucking floating head in like a baby carriage. Like yeah. there's no. It's There's... not hard to make him funny, yeah. yeah. Right, but but He's inherently also... silly. He's from the silly era of comics that we, like, don't do anymore. So, right. Like, but he's a character that so many people like that you kind of can't get rid of him. But he's also, what is it, machine organism designed only for killing? Killing, yeah. Yeah, like, and he's there's... just silly. My cognitive functions may require repair, but I'm still very capable of doing what I was designed for in this beautiful full-page splash spread that, uh, spread that involves him, like, Using a laser to cube a man, you know, good stuff. <laughs> for for the longest time, uh, John Hodgman was campaigning to play Modoc, oh, which would have wow. been awesome. Uh, Patton's one of the like few acceptable substitutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of how comics are both uh, silly and whip ass, let's start talking about Grant Morrison. Oh Hell yeah! <laughs> and this is where I lean back and have nothing to contribute. <laughs> That's not true. Brandon, I think you're going to be a helpful control because I am, I am capable of just closing my eyes and falling back into the deep murky waters of Grant Morrison. I I have stressed out so much about how to start this, y'all. First off, for, for people who aren't familiar, Grant Morrison is a comic book writer. Uh they're from the UK, I believe. Uh, and they got Scotland, their Scotland, which as I I don't know much don't know much about it's UK politics. Part of but... the UK. but yes, uh, yep. they do like to be called Scotland. They they don't like I being don't, called Listen, I just know UK politics are wild right now, so we might want to oh, just yeah, make it whatever. clear. Well <laughs> look, Scotland has never liked England, and you know what? That's fair. But technically, mm. yes, from the UK. Uh they're Scottish and they have been writing comics professionally since the 80s, uh, and they st- I think they started at DC, right? Or were they one of the... They weren't one of the Image dudes, no, thank God. 
So they're, they were not directly tied to image, but they definitely bounced around to a few different things. I'm suddenly blanking on their early, their earliest career, but, uh, I believe, I think it's, I think it's early D I think it's DC stuff. Oh, certainly. Cause I know they turned down Marvel man at one point. Wow. Hi, I'm a fan of this person. Um, but yeah, they, they wrote a lot of, uh, stuff in the nineties that was really influential in a lot of, uh, in a lot of bridging uh, of a lot of kind of the indie comic scene of the time and the mainstream DC through both Vertigo and through their traditional heroes. Uh, famously in the nineties, we had animal man, which took a character that had kind of fallen by the wayside after crisis on infinite earths. And it began Grant Morrison's not only obsession with the medium of comic books, uh, professionally playing with the metaphysical nature of, of comic books, uh, and and narrative writ large, but also a personal devotion to tinkering with the structure, manifold, uh, physical reality of the fictional DC universe, which influenced a whole bunch of their work on the, uh, let's call it mid-2000s on, and uh, still continues to this day. Also, I just looked it up. I was wrong they actually started at marvel uk uh were turned down by dc comics and then didn't start working for dc until after uh the zenith run in 2000 ad yes i think that uh, was back when marvel uk like kind of wasn't really taken seriously well yeah uh and then they also did stuff for doctor who magazine but it says that uh which god i did i wish that this had gotten published because this sounds great this is in 1982 they submitted a proposal involving the jla and the new gods entitled second coming to dc but it was not commissioned <laughs> well they did eventually do tower of babel which uh was you know a very similar theme uh again religion plays uh very highly into a lot of grant morrison's work but not necessarily in the direct christ analog as much as kind of this sense of, of again very much like <laughs> modern comic book industry creator jack kirby uh a, a sense of the divine right like a sense of of a um a holiness to these books and it's also important to mention that their independent run uh is and was strong uh they wrote flex mentalo which was for vertigo technically a dc character uh recently appearing in doom patrol which they also wrote for dc featuring probably their best character uh danny the street which was also a vertigo title until yeah mm -hmm. uh, until... vertigo was the vertigo universe was integrated into the dcu sometime when i was there so uh -huh. 14 maybe uh i think i was the yeah i was the new 52 right there oh boy. yeah oh, boy. either way vertigo was one of u2's lesser records oh don't understand music metaphors it's not even a good one don't yeah, worry and about that it. was even that wasn't even a metaphor it was just a did weird i'll do a bad joke did weird i'll do a youtube i don't hmm, i don't know he might have in the like 80s when i'm not as familiar early al yeah he 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 he's like almost definitely hit him in a polka somewhere along the line like mathematically he just has to have <laughs> right statistically you can't roll yeah yeah okay Parody of Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by You 2 is Cavity Search. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, we have the internet in front of us. I can just Google shit. I'm just not used to being schooled in Weird Al while also struggling to come up with facts about Grant Morrison. Am I wearing pants? It's I'm not it's not even schooling. It's that I have no fucking idea. Mm. All of those words I just said to you guys, I said them under the assumption that you would know what they meant, because I sure. sure didn't. 
I nodded, but you can't tell because it's a podcast. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so what first brought Grant? I mean, there's I I, I know that you know you're a big DC fan, and mm-hmm. and so am I. Not, and, but not there the are films, tons of comics the out films. there. Yes, mm-hmm. not the films. But my point is, there are tons of comics out there, and there are lots of different writers. So, what brought Grant Morrison specifically to your attention as a writer first? Was it a DC property, or was it one of his other books? Yeah, so I actually got into uh, traditional superhero comic books pretty late in life, comparatively. For me, comic books was the Sonic the Hedgehog comic for like the first, I think, thirteen years of my life, and. I eventually picked up uh, some comics from my dad one day. It was a Green Lantern comic. It was Father's Day. And I like read it when I got home very idly and I wanted to know more. So I asked my dad, hey, do you have any cool series? And he recommended me the series 52, which was a huge joint venture written by a lot of people, one of them being Grant Morrison. And as I spread out from that, you know, I researched the, all the writers that had uh, contributed to that, trying to find more books. I stumbled onto Flex Mentallo, which not only is a deeply metaphysical and, excuse me, uh, you could argue autobiographical um, look at comic books, it it also provided a, a kind of thought technology for thinking about comic books. You know, it's four issues long, each one representative of an age of comics, which suddenly put the whole industry and the whole history of superheroes in a context for me. And it kind of leads you down this rabbit hole that teaches you about why superheroes are cool and what it is that they can do for you. Which, is this where we talk about the fact that we had a blog that was like, fuck superheroes for a while? Yeah, we can. Yeah. I mean, most people don't know that anymore, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but actually, though, that was the first thing on our FAQs was that the so I would say it was not fuck superheroes. That's it fair. was fuck this medium being defined by this genre when there are so many great ways that you can tell stories. And this is mm-hmm. also 15 years ago, the comic book industry did look a lot different. Like that's true. Now we, we do have actually a pretty good selection of independent publishers and a lot more acceptance of graphic novels as a format. But in the early two thousands, when we were doing this, like it was basically superhero comics or go fuck yourself. Right. And, and <laughs> what superhero comics were, were pretty, like one of the things Flex Mentello in particular gave me an uh, appreciation for is how wild comics had been, right? Like reveling in the silver age where the the flash could, you know, his brain could swell up to the size of a melon and it's all because the mirror master made him too smart to run or like Batman's wearing a zebra costume because the enemy is hiding in a zebra farm like it doesn't you know it's all very wacky and silly largely as a uh, as a result of some real life things at the time but also as like whiz bang science yep and it linked a kind of mortal anxiety of being human <laughs> to the experience of seeing a two-dimensional superhero accomplish the goals set out before them it's this really bizarre meditation on what it means to be a comic book fan and also what it means uh, to read about superheroes. And if it sounds like I'm speaking very like hagiographically about this, it's because you can't really talk about some of Grant Morrison's big superhero ideas without sounding crazy. And uh, that might be what I like about them. Yeah. I mean, all their stuff definitely I think has a really interesting take on, 
the thing that I also find fascinating about superheroes is like, it's kind of one of the reasons that I make a lot of jokes. Well, not not a lot. Well, yes, many jokes about how Batman sucks shit. Um, because most people write Batman super like two dimensionally, and he's just like a sad emo boy. And I'm much more yeah. interested in not to be like the because I disagree with the idea that comics have to be serious and psychological and all these things. Like I think there is a place for superhero comics to be fun and silly, but I like writers like grant morrison because they make you feel like these are people who happen to be superheroes and yeah. not superheroes who happen to be people and they t- and, and and their their work uh tends to attract the sort of people who are like interested in comics as a medium beyond like you know i just read some comics sometimes yeah but what i this is you you've given me a beautiful jump to something that i've been sitting on since you talked about timelines uh grant morrison also wants to make comics accessible to the reader uh they were they had a big idea in the in the early 2000s called hypertime which was essentially what is canon in the dc universe what have you read just think of it as you are the conduit for what time has like this is again i'm i'm just gonna put up a big warning i i make websites for my life i promise i do things that rely on uh you know physical reality so when i talk about things in this podcast that sound like i'm about to try to sell you on some kind of lotion or salve uh then please forgive me when you read a comic book you are traversing a two-dimensional plane and you are controlling time with your eyes right you can always go back to the previous page and that's tantamount to going back in time so in a real sense, you have control when you read a comic book over the flow of time. And Grant Morrison takes that idea and applies it to the idea of canon. What, it, what matters? What matters to you? What do you find helpful about this? Does it matter that Bruce Wayne is a billionaire? Does it matter to you that he's a white man? Does it matter to you? You know, it, it, what, what can you get from Batman? That's what has happened to Batman. That is what is canon. Um, and that's a really, I, I think what the goal of that is to do is to say, you know, Brandon, you could have read one Superman comic, but if you ever have a nervous day and you think about that one time Superman helped that girl off the ledge, then guess what? Superman just saved you. And that's all the reality that he needs. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> no, I mean, that's. I just, again, I just blocked out for a second. What happened? No. And <laughs> I, I, I think that's a great way of describing the concept and also a really good example of the kind of like deep metaphysical levels that grant morrison is writing on when when they work on projects (laughs) yeah and uh they they want to instill this like thought technology in in the reader and they want to say that like you know take take what you can from this because the world is hard which also lays into the fact that they are a practicing chaos magician uh, you can find some if you need a. Yeah, right. there it is. Yeah. There it is. Yes, in the grand tradition of weird comic book wizards, uh, yeah. Grant Morrison is one of them. There are a few, actually. Yeah, that's not a joke. There's an old joke about uh, I've read about Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, where it's like a synthesis antithesis thing. <laughs> and uh, for a long time, the the punchline of that joke was that the synthesis was Warren Ellis, which is, I suppose, a less favorable comparison to make these days. Yeah. And, like, all three of them are kind of a, like, 
you could do a Conan if they made it of any combination of them, and it would just make the third one. Exactly. That's what. <laughs> right. Like you just have this. You have this completely <laughs> hairy, uh, uh, like wizard that lives out in the forest who hates dc with a passion and thinks superheroes are dead and then you have this bald sorcerer children and for children right and you have this bald sorcerer that's like what the fuck is wrong with it being for children and your midpoint is warren ellis right yeah who shouldn't be the midpoint of anything yeah sorry there warren Uh, your your midpoint is warren ellis who's just like yeah i mean i guess if you pay me and let me touch the assistant editor's ass (laughs) right we can all we can uh, listen i i want to be as outraged i mean i am as outraged as anybody else i want to be as as surprised as anyone else but then i like look at my transmetropolitan (laughs) on the shelf and i'm like oh i suppose i should have seen this coming huh that is yeah huh well fuck even just like looking back at next wave it's like oh yeah yeah so after uh flexman tallow uh i just kind of began absorbing uh the the entire catalog so we had we three uh which is essentially homeward bound but mechas oh that makes like, me so sad oh that was morrison oh yeah that's a oh. morrison joint uh one of the first uh brandon read that made me sad yeah it's a it's a hell of a nightmare book uh but uh there's also early stuff like kill your girlfriend or sorry kill your boyfriend jesus uh kill your boyfriend is a uh a very gen x book about uh how to break out from like cycles of stagnancy um through ethically dubious actions but a lot of sex and drugs i thought we three was a cool like the premise was neat, but it felt like beyond that, it was like, okay. Right. Like, like it, it felt like it didn't know what it was trying to say beyond, like, that would be fucked up. Right. Yeah, and that is that is an interesting thing where Grant Morrison really does swing between these, these dual poles of... Um, these huge concepts, and yeah. look, I put a dog in a mech suit. Right, exactly. Like, And it's never not a giant swing, too. Right, one of one of their earliest works was uh, Zoids. Remember Zoids? Yeah, they ruined pizza. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Alternate joke: Fuck. They're back in pog form. No. Oh my god! Uh, the the uh, the Zoids were like lion Gundams. I remember there was a cartoon. Oh, okay. Yes, I do know what this. I had to see it. And I guess there was a UK comic that yes. needed an, an, a writer, so they got Grant, and Grant provided this like sectarian struggle between like these two warring ideologies that you know they really poured their friggin' heart out into, and it's just like, oh wow, okay, well this was Zoids, but thank you, <laughs> Grant. <laughs> I think every single story I've ever heard about Grant Morrison sort of ends with me thinking, of course they did. I was just gonna say, if you want to read another uh, licensed, licensed uh, toy property comic that is uh, weirdly serious, go check out the uh, old Bionicle comics. Oh, folks! <laughs> They're like all about eco terrorism. <laughs> folks, this was almost—I think you'd be into it, Bionicle. Like we can't. We're also <laughs> we veering can't. dangerously close to bringing up Wacky Raceland. Okay. Really right. No, I worked do. on that too. I, the Bionicles <laughs> and the Wacky Raceland. Oh, oh, oh. I'm in. I'm in too deep. Pull me out. No way out. Uh, uh, 
I did like that 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 uh, gay Southern playwright Snagglepuss comic though. Oh, I have that right here. That was Sorry, real not. good. And like real life Flintstones, that way. All the weird, all the strange things that I've worked on, like just a few issues of, just like have a, they live in my brain somewhere and result in things like when we were watching the Mortal Kombat movie last week, me just suddenly erupting with, oh God, I remember so much Mortal Kombat lore uh, <laughs> that I yeah, didn't I... even know still lived in my brain from proofreading the digital first comics six years ago. Yeah, I uh, my parents' <laughs> birthdays are like one number flipped. Like one of them is like 324 and the other one's 425. And uh, I have to think about like, wait, dad is that one and mom is that one. Right. Okay. Uh, every time. But I can tell you the name of all the Toa of Matanui right now. <laughs> uh, I can tell you their deep personal lore and the troubles they went through. We got the Toa. We got Kapaka. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, Grant Morrison. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, this is actually probably some like greater thing of like being a lore junkie, right? Because I definitely fell into that because I could just kind of hoover up all of the references that I could find get that deep lore. Uh, and, and Grant Morrison uh, is a deep pool that I will never uh, emerge from because uh, their DC work in particular, which in my head is, is the like subsection of, of their work that I, I tend to focus on really wants to not only make these characters really like physical utilities, but also build up to put it plainly a kind of, pseudo structure that allows our world to interact and interface meaningfully with the comic book world and sometimes this is grant morrison writing animal man and writing themselves into the story but they call it a fiction suit much like an astronaut would wear a spacesuit. grant morrison put on a fiction suit and wrote themselves interacting with animal man at which point they apologize for having to put animal man through such hell uh now do i think grant morrison somehow passed the rubicon and walked through the filament into the world of comics no i i unfortunately i do not think so but at the same time did like didn't didn't they yeah a little bit like like i i can read it <laughs> look it's right here my only real like prior knowledge of grant morrison be before this aside from like having read Wii 3, but sort of not, clearly not remembering too, too much of it. And, like, I tried to read a little bit of their Justice League work, which I had heard was stellar, but I, I have, like, less than working knowledge of DC, especially at that time. So I spent, like, what felt like half the time just trying to decipher, like, wait, why is Superman all blue? <laughs> and why um, – but I listened to a couple uh, – one of Kevin Smith's various uh, and sundry inter interview shows. He did a couple, like, three-hour talks with Grant Morrison uh, that I listened to all, like, two or three of them because I was doing a job where I was just driving all day. So, like, I was going deep into the backlogs of uh, podcasts at the time. Um, but it was, it was really fascinating and like, it, it's making a lot of what you guys are saying make a lot of sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Of just cause... like, oh yeah, no, this is like a, a mystical person, uh, <laughs> who's talking to the like, you know, funny blowjob sound guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like trying, trying to, uh, 
speak some vile incantation. Yeah. Like, like here's this, like, person who's clearly operating on, like, another plane of storytelling <laughs> across from Silent Bob for six <laughs> or nine hours. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's so much... DC in particular has such a sordid history. Not only are they... Uh, not only is Superman, which is a very important character to Grant Morrison, uh, kind of like pra- pragmatically, uh, as I, I have a I have a bit. They wrote a book, Super Gods, which is not only a kind of autobiography of their life through comic books, but also kind of a history of comic books themselves. And he talks about uh, fucking great book. Uh, Grant Morrison's father being a an anti nuclear activist, handing out these flyers showing like you know b2 bombers flying over over scotland dropping nukes you know a, a giant skeletal horse a skeletal horseman riding a horse with a with a you know sickle uh that old cowpoke wouldn't run now one dark and wind <laughs> uh let's see uh the superheroes laughed at the atom bomb superman could walk on the surface of the sun and barely register a tan the Hulk's adventures were only just beginning in those fragile hours after a gamma bomb test went wrong in the face of his alter ego, Bruce Banner. Skipping a little bit, my own world felt better already. I was beginning to understand something that gave me power over my fears. Before it was a bomb, the bomb was an idea. Superman, however, was a faster, stronger, better idea. And that is, in a lot of ways, the thesis for a lot of Grant Morrison's work. And invincible. That's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, in that particular passage, Grant Morrison goes on to explain that, uh, you know, what better definition of a pocket universe is there than a universe you can roll up and put in your pocket? Uh, uh, Superman is not real, his friends would say, and Grant Morrison would point to their comic and say, what do you mean? He's right here. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think that's kind of just it's it's digging deeper on the main simplification of that is to say that superhero comics are aspirational that's the whole Mm -hmm. point of a superhero uh but like digging deeper on that because it is it is a simplified way to say it and that's the way people explain it away all the time but grant morrison takes the time to break down what about that is aspirational and it's not i aspire to one day get superpowers it's i aspire to one day be unafraid and inspire hope and and be a good person Mm. yeah have having the superman in you yeah there um in that kevin smith uh podcast they mentioned a story that they had written i want to say for batman called like he died big or something like that (laughs) oh (laughs) and well it was it was about like uh this person who like just sort of died in a very, like, unceremonious, like, it's Gotham, hundreds of people die like this every day, you know, just, like, stabbed or or whatever. Um, but it wound up being this whole thing about, like, the perspective of, you know, the person who's just sort of caught up in this, like, war between, like, a shadow guy and, you know, big crazy criminals um but like the thesis of it was like batman finds this guy's body at the end and someone's like well you know it's a shame he you know he died so you know died so small or died alone or something like that and and the response is like and batman goes no he didn't 
he died big because like he went out like fighting like trying to mm. you know sort of I think, like, make the world a better place in the way he could. I, I don't exactly remember the specifics, and I've never been able to find the story. Um, <laughs> the phrase, he died big, is still dumb and stupid. Yeah. 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 I, I like that a lot. You you also need to, for just a little more context, need to imagine that everything Grant Morrison says is in this, like, delicate Scottish lilt. Like, this won't mean anything to either of you, but... They sound exactly like Stuart Murdoch from Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> huh. Yeah, no, that does not mean anything to me. No, but like there, there's at least like a handful of people out there that, that will be like, oh, sure. All right. Yeah. You didn't search very hard. It's from Detective Comics number 385. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was also like searching for that like in the production van, like on my way back from Whole Foods on the West Side Highway. So I wasn't looking too, too hard. <laughs> Jeez. Uh so all of this is the like every everything I've said thus far is definitely the, the like it's in the Grant Morrison cult pamphlet, right? It's in the like it's it's what gets you in the door. This is in the introduction film where it's like superheroes can help your life. And they're out there, folks, waiting for you. And then that's like and then, like, three months in, you're at, like, Morrison level four, <laughs> and somebody sits you down at a table, and they slide a copy of The Flash number 126 from, I want to say, 1936, but that feels too, way too young. Way too, it's probably six, yeah, 30 years after that. Feels too, I was going to say, that feels too old. It's probably in the 60s. One, what uh, was it, 136? 123. Uh, 61. Yeah, way too, way too early. Um, The Flash uh, 123 from 1961. Uh, This is Barry Allen's Flash, which means we're in the Silver Age. And some very brief comic book history. Yeah, the Golden Age, which is when everyone was, you know, Wonder Woman was tying up people and like rescuing... I don't want to get into a tangent here, but old Wonder Woman comics are wild. Like, oh, they're they're all about bondage. They were written by by a guy who was like a sex researcher. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's amazing. Also, and Grant Morrison would point some very important stuff to this. Uh, the person who invented Wonder Woman also created the lie detector test, and Wonder Woman has the. Uh, the the lie detecting lasso. Grant Morrison yeah. would consider that a very important detail. Yeah, uh, I, Marston. I talked about him in my grand thesis. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Golden Age is roughly 1938 to 1956, just for context for people. And the Silver Age is roughly 56 to like sometime in the 70s, I think. Yeah, so you had versions of characters uh such as the flash uh, also a very important literally character. what wikipedia says too circa 1970 so about 1970 a little bit succeeded by the bronze and then modern age uh, we'll get there um <laughs> <laughs> uh jay garrick is this guy who inhales some heavy water <laughs> and he gets the power of mercury the god 
and he can run real fast. But that's the golden age. And the golden age, everything's very magical and, you know, everything's very, like, simplistic. But the silver age comes around. And now what are comic books for? Teaching science. kids about science. So instead of Jay Garrick, we get police forensic scientist Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. And he gets struck by lightning. It's not magic. It's science. And he names himself The Flash. But the authors at the time, before The Flash 123, when they first introduced Barry Allen, they added a very pivotal detail that is kind of important for understanding a lot of Grant Morrison's work at DC. And that is that where he got his name. And Barry Allen got his name from his favorite DC comic superhero, Jay Garrick, The Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the DC comics, DC comics do exist in the DC comics universe. Well, that more importantly, they later. I, well, not more importantly, excuse me, but like a, it's just a fun fact about DC comics, y'all. Oh yeah, uh, it's meta yeah. as hell. Um, and then later he meets Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. And he says, but wait a minute, you're from the comic book. (laughs) And Jay Garrick goes, that's wild. There's a Barry Allen comic book in my universe. And a young Grant Morrison read that and said, oh, cool. Comic books are how universes talk to one another. Yep. And I'm reading a a comic book. So... (laughs) (laughs) And that so pretty much extends into the modern day. On on the one hand, that... that does feel incredibly profound and on the other hand that hella feels like whoa bro like what if like god wasn't like an old guy (laughs) on a cloud like right god came from earth too i mean kind of uh (laughs) person definitely believes in planet x motherfuckers oh i mean yeah explicitly (laughs) i think he watched melancholia and went yes exactly that right sliding doors masterpiece (laughs) you ever see maholland drive (laughs) only Uh, only the only the naked parts in the jump scare (laughs) god is that like a is that like a dvd setting (laughs) too scary too scary there's the episode subtitle right there yeah. We know what you want, you silly bastards. <laughs> Good morning. It's Thursday, April 42nd. No. Here in LA. Have you ever seen these, Alex? I have not. Uh, oh. David Lynch does a daily wet weather video. Oh my god. And that's what they sound like. He's yeah. just he's just David Lynch just yelling at the TV. Our local NPR station plays it as their weather report during Morning Becomes Eclectic. See, this is... California is just fucking Toontown. Like, I don't... don't... (laughs) California is absolutely made up. Yeah. (laughs) I... uh, For those those who can't tell based on the strong regional accent, uh, both Beth and myself hail from the East Coast, and I am still (laughs) a devotee. Love the shore out there on the West Coast, but of course it pales in comparison to a single orange leaf falling from a tree in autumn (laughs) oh yeah that is pretty good i do miss fall i do miss seasons so much i miss seasons so much it is april 29th here i don't know what temperature uh it was there today but it was 90 here wow that was unexpected i'd like to die (laughs) i spent last january before everything happened 
uh, in uh, uh, the Bay Area. Capital E, capital H. Yeah, before I got really into comic books. Just kidding, I've been really into comic books for an unfortunate amount of time. Uh, So I want to read you a little biblical verse here, if that's cool. Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) We'll mute this part so that your mom doesn't get summoned. Yeah. It's fine, I've been lying to your mom about how much I, uh, you know believe in jesus since i was a child too <laughs> my mom knows she's cool what's I up know. Pat? i know she does. I, I don't i don't think i don't think she you, she she's you listening. and i have never once fooled your mother despite us thinking we did no no there's nothing it's, we we have we have an understanding uh the so i'm i'm reading a passage right now uh from probably my most recent favorite of his uh, excuse me their works oh, yeah i guess we haven't touched on that grant morrison recently came out as a uh, non-binary uh, which is uh, pretty cool. In actually, we talked about the story before the show, but mm-hmm. uh, in the wildest way possible. It was like not what the interview was about. They were in the middle of another interview talking about language, and then just like went off on a tangent about how they could identify with being genderqueer. And then the interviewer was like, "Wait, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, what are we talking about?" Which I haven't even mentioned. The Invisibles, which is probably Grant Morrison's like largest, uh, like uh, a comic book that is self-described sigil that is meant to change the reader's mind by reading it wherein they embodied a character in the comic uh or rather they wrote a character and then embodied that character in real life uh who themselves were genderqueer and and quite uh they used different terms in the early 90s but uh was was quite uh uh fluid in their gender presentation and uh uh also again wrote the character Danny the Street who is a genderqueer street i love danny the street yep just so hard to describe but um great it's the best part of the doom patrol tv show it is so this is the multiversity and i'm just gonna i've really struggled a lot of times with a lot of different people on how to explain this series so i'm gonna do my best in one shot here we go it is a nine issue comic book series where there are eight issues and one double sized guidebook. Each issue is the first issue of a different comic book series, except for the last issue, which is the second issue of the first issue. So every different, <laughs> the multiversity is eight comic books and the first and last are multiversity number one and multiversity number two. Every single other one takes place on a different earth in the DC multiverse. And together, through reading them, you see an existential threat that is coming from the outside. Specifically, it is coming from Earth-33. Earth-33 is a world that the, I'm just going to power through, is a world that the monitor race of Earth multiverse monitors uses to encode the history of the multiverse. If it happened, they encode it into the fiction of Earth-33. Earth-33 is a world that cannot be penetrated by anything except thought. I've read all of these, so I'm just like, I'm with you. I'm vibing, even if nobody else is. I got you. Keep going. This this sounds like a fucking prog rock album. It kind of is. It kind of is. Like, I'm just hearing, I'm just hearing Getty Lee, like, issue one and issue two. I, I don't know if it's on record anywhere, but I would not be surprised if Graham Morrison was into Rush. Oh, uh, Graham Morrison, I, yeah. Uh, and if, if uh, just to, to rip the bandaid off, Earth 33 is us. That's us, folks. The comic books that we we read are the archives of the monitors. Anyway, a reading. 
This is the hist- this is the origin of the DC universe. And then an imperceptible flaw is discovered in a hitherto immaculate perfection, a flaw that is everything that perfection is not. Defining its relationship to the flaw, perfection names itself monitor mind the overvoid. Thank you. No, please. Of the overmind is monitor born, an anti-monitor, which is opposite the conflict generator, the story machine. Monitor mind in shock from the schism acts to contain the flaw. The bottle they bottle the flaw and prevent its spread. So actually, the funny thing is, I think more people than usual get would at least understand part of this now because they did like a truncated on the DC TV stuff, which I know you also don't enjoy, but they did like a truncated version where like there was a monitor and an anti-monitor. So like, I, I feel like more people than usual are like primed to like, maybe, maybe get into multiversity. You might understand it. <laughs> well, there's some, there's some really cool kind of core concepts. There's always a flash at the center of everything in the DC universe. Whenever the multiverse is involved at the center of it is always a flash. Everything changes in a flash. Kind of hard to flash. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, kind of. And uh, uh, throughout it, it's also important that one comic takes place on Earth 33. It is a fascinating ride, a roller coaster through a bunch of different. You've got a uh, a pulp universe where all of the characters are, you know, instead of Doctor Fate, if you're familiar with their character, we have a dual gun wielding Doc Fate who is a science architect adventurer or a archaeologist adventurer, excuse me. We have Earth Me, where the next generation of superheroes live bored on a on a Instagram-esque paradise Earth because their parents fixed the world. Uh, Nazi Superman. What was the name of the... Uh, there was a Marvel, like, big crossover story that led to them doing a bunch of those, like, one summer... Like a bunch of like one-off universe issues. Mm, uh, Secret Wars. Was it Secret Wars? I believe so. Yeah, because they had the Battle World. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, the whole yeah, like the the Thor core and and I love those books. Yeah, I those love were, those were great. Uh, that that whole Hickman run leading into it and all of Secret Wars really touches on this idea that you know uh, I was telling this to a friend of mine recently and she she kind of paused. <laughs> And uh, was like, you know, comics can be really impenetrable sometimes. And I realized I was that meme of the guy at the baseball game who's like got his hand up next to the girl who's like just saying something real loud. Just like, oh, yeah, no, you got Earth 33 is where we're from. It's really cool. Grant Morrison. Like, what's cool about this is that when you read enough of these comics, you realize that what's happening with the Flash, who is the Flash right now, isn't really the important part. Because everyone kind of gets the flash, right? You run fast. Who is Superman? What do they look like? That's not super important as much as you kind of get the general gist of what the character represents and what they mean in the context of this story. Which is why I love uh, Captain Carrot, a cartoon rabbit from a cartoon universe. Oh yeah, Captain Carrot's great. I love Captain Carrot. Right. Isn't that Mystery Men? Oh, that's a uh, uh, um, uh, that's the flaming carrot. Flaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I actually get that I, I get that screwed up a lot. Actually, look, I, look, I don't want to bring the shoveler into it unless I absolutely have to. But, but like, man, Mystery Men is also like it, it's funny because you can reach out to all these other comics, uh, uh, and that's comics with an X as well. 
of the like Gen X period of which Grant Morrison is solidly a member of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like very Gen X. One um, of the like defining ones I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, j- kill your, kill your boyfriend. Like if you are a, a millennial or uh, a Gen Z person, I guess you would have to ask a Gen Xer <laughs> uh, if this is accurate, but from my perspective, like I feel like I understood Gen X a lot better after reading that book. I was like, Oh, thank you. You've given me a user guide for how to interact with your generation mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Watch that and watch Slacker and you're, you're probably safe. <laughs> right, right. SLC punk. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big Gen X energy. They have big Gen X energy. That one with Ed Norton where like he's a priest and uh, Janine Garofalo's in there. Uh, whatever that one was called. That one's pretty Gen X too. Hell yeah. Hey, everybody, and how's it going? There's, there's <laughs> hi, Gen X historian Brandon here. And I just don't have much to say today. No, I mean, it's, I, mean, <laughs> I worry about this so much because this is one of the hardest, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful you all reached out to me for your podcast to give me as much reach as I can because I sound, I'm hearing myself and it is so hilarious to, uh, try and talk about these comics straight on because they are so, they're at once meant to be read as singular entities and they are also meant to be understood within 70 years of comic book history. And I'm saying 70, it's way more than 70 at this point. I probably read 70 in the 90s. Which, of course, ironically, looping all the way back around to they can be understood in then con- that context. But as they said, canon is whatever you've read. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So like, I don't know. What do you I mean, we can we can talk about straight on stories such as All Star Superman, which is if anyone asks me like, hey, a lot of people say Superman sucks. I just want to read one book. Oh, that's a good one. I, I've read that one. Yeah. <laughs> good. Let's talk about that, Brandon. I don't, <laughs> I don't want Brandon to just be like counting the walls, waiting for the next Grateful Dead reference. Did I say it right? Grateful Dead. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 It, but it's G-R-A-T-E. A lot of people think it's G-R-E-A-T, but no, G-R-A-T-E. <laughs> is that? No, that's... Um, that is that. <laughs> Maybe my favorite joke in the entirety of Veep. Um, is in one of the one of the last episodes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gary is. Cole's character says. I didn't want to, to interrupt uh, him, but yes, it is. Okay, okay, yeah. sorry. It, go on. it is G R A T E. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cole. Uh, Gary Cole's character says to uh, is talking with the, the character Dan, uh, who was like a journalist at the time, and Dan's like, "Yeah, you accused me of journalistic malpractice, and uh, for like getting something wrong." And Gary Cole goes. Yeah, because Bruce Hornsby was a touring member of the Grateful Dead, but never technically joined. And my brain about exploded hearing Gary Cole (laughs) deliver a perfect Grateful Dead joke in the middle of Veep that is based around a deep specific of the Grateful Dead 2 and a technicality. This is the kind of joy that I will never have as a Grant Morrison stan. But you had that about, about like comic shit. So fair, but I, <laughs> but if like for the uh, if if I was ever watching like I don't know Bird Girl and Bird Girl dropped like a hot juicy like oh is that from Earth oh God uh, the best part about that Bible verse I read is that it's from the guidebook issue and it's literally a lead into like a classic comic book guidebook style like. Earth 10, that's the Nazi one. Earth 11, that's the gender-bent one. Anyway, I was just trying to find a random one. If Bird Girl randomly dropped that Earth 21 was the New Frontier universe, 
uh, Darwin Cook's New Frontier, then I would I, w- I would blast a gasket. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> Tuca and Birdie talking about multiversary. <laughs> Multi- multiversity. Whatever. God Thank damn you. it. No, I'm sorry. God damn it. I, uh, I was mul- so close. That was a good one. And I... I, I, I huh. Can you help me... <laughs> Can you make me a hypo sigil? Can you make me a hypo sigil, Grandma Whitson? Multivoicity. <laughs> Multivoicity. It's like Roger Rabbit. The dumbest sketch I've ever pitched was a parody of girls called Goyles. And it was oh, just fuck. It was just gonna be uh, the trail for girls, <sighs> but they all Stupid. sound like Jerry Lewis. God help me. God alive. Um Goyles. Oh, so so yeah, uh, Grant Morrison thinks that the DC comic books universe is alive and that we can meaningfully interact with it. The extent to which that is a literal statement versus that is a metaphor for the transformative power of narrative. 50-50. Is about 52-52. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, I will say I did meet grant morrison thrice at uh a new york comic con one year mm-hmm. and i think i was I, with you one time yeah for sure uh almost certainly because i i wouldn't have been at new york comic con i mean this probably was one of the ones that i was like crashing either at your joint apartment or something but i certainly oh god i just remember yeah, you had just bought the print of the the lady that was a map oh thanks for that <laughs> Actually, it was a really cool art piece. It, it was sounds cool really shitty piece. when I say it like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds. That's the only way I remember to explain it. <laughs> oh yeah, you bought you you bought that big pillow that had the lady on it that looked real embarrassed, like just no. like no, it's, yeah. So, it was it was much more. It was a much cooler piece of art than I'm making it sound. Guys. I'll be honest. I had to retire that one just because I got a little too anxious about like. <laughs> I just don't want to have to explain it. I get it. I get it. We have a lot of art in our uh, in our closet. Yeah. So I I saw them three times. The first time was just like at a basic signing. Uh, this is fully me flexing because when do I get a chance to flex about this? Uh, there was the Wait. death the death of the family Batman crossover was happening at the time, and one of my personal favorite in the Batman and Robin series, which is a great if you just want to read like a relatively straightforward Batman comic. Yes, it's an exploration of how Batman built a backup personality into his brain in case he ever went insane. And that's the explanation of the Batman of Zurinar from the Silver Age because everything is canon. Yeah. Isn't that also the plot of that Meltzer thing? What? That, don't, uh. Don't, 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 no, no. 12, 12 issue Brad Meltzer, uh, big crossover thing where at the end you find out that Batman was behind it all, but he erased his own memory so he wouldn't know about it or something like that. Oh Christ! It's it's not related to that, but it it it, it you're in the, same the thing. you're in roughly the same realm. Uh, Batman and Robin Morrison introduced probably the boldest new member of the DC universe, uh, Bat Cow, who is is a cow. <laughs> I love Bat Cow. I would die for Bat Cow. I love Bat Cow. It's a cow that Damian Wayne adopts, and has been a consistent member of uh, the Batcave in the last 10 or so years. Uh, I asked if the Joker in the Death of the Family arc had any plans for Batcow, as the plot at the time was the Bat uh, Joker systematically taking out members of the Bat family. And uh, I did get a chuckle out of Grant Morrison, who then responded, yeah, he's going to turn him into a steak and shake. 
And then, <laughs> that that's right, folks. That's what I'm proud of. Uh, and oh, I could I could I could crush some steak and shake right now. Yeah, especially well, not bat cow. I would be certainly killed by Damian Wayne. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, not if. I really liked Morrison's run on Batman and Robin too with Damien. I think he writes Damien as a perfect little shit. Oh, and just the inversion when um, Batman had had died in Final Crisis, which is its own really complicated comics event that I can't get enough of, uh, yeah. but is very. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Dick Grayson Batman. It was Dick Grayson Batman with with uh, Damien, and I. I mean, I I'm well on the record how much I love Dick Grayson. So. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I loved that Batman and Robin run. Uh, I think you probably knew about Dick Grayson way before I did, <laughs> for for any number of reasons. But reasons we can just say it for butt reasons. Yeah, for butt reasons for sure. Uh, <laughs> the Grant Morrison's run on butt reasons was really really solid. <laughs> um, the storytelling was really firm. Oh fuck you! <laughs> so Brandon, I have a I have a little game I would like to play with you. And every plot thread was dropped. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> okay, no, hold on. I'm coming back around to it. <laughs> What's uh, this po- game? Pog stands for uh, prolific nope, ass it. writer Grant. You lost it. I have three Grant Morrison comic books. One of them is fake. Oh, I love this game. Can you guess? Can you guess which one? Okay, Proctor Valley Road, Seven Soldiers of Victory. The New Adventures of Hitler. Which one's fake, Brandon? I say Proctor Valley Road. Proctor Valley sounds too American. Brandon, Brandon, you've fallen into my trap. They are all real. Uh, every single one of them is a oh. real <laughs> Grant Morrison comic. Uh, Proctor Valley Road is uh, has two issues out currently. I believe it uh, is it Boom. I want to say Boom. I also am not sure Proctor Valley Road is at Boom. It is at Boom. Uh, a really one of one of their more straightforward comics, uh, I would say, despite the fact that it's countdown to to fucky town. Um, Seven Soldiers of Victory is a team superhero comic in the DC universe where the team never meets. They collectively save the world, and none of them ever cross paths. Hmm. Uh, it is meant to be read either as seven independent four issue miniseries or in a particular print order one 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 two 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 etc. Or actually, it's more like one 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 two 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 one one two three three. You know, crazy stuff. Uh, and yeah, uh, let's just say that last one was in Grant Morrison's early career, and no, it doesn't suggest what you might fear it does. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. Warren Ellis is here. Not that Warren Ellis is a white supremacist, as far as we know. I gotta no. stop talking about Warren Ellis. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's complicated. It's a complicated subject. I can't say I'm a fan. Let's leave it <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Uh, but um, Grant Morrison, uh, as far as I know, is a is a genteel fellow who will say up and down that they had a, a religious experience meeting aliens in the desert. That did come up on the Kevin Smith pods. Yes. Uh, that is a big component uh, of Animal Man, which is very much a... Does, uh, Brandon, do you know what Animal Man's powers are? Um, well, if they're anything like manimals... It's actually, it's actually Danimals. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, he's, like the, he's just the kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's Dunkaroos, yeah. I mean, I, I, I imagine it's uh, uh, Animal Man can... Can't, can he, like, turn into a puma or something? <laughs> that's actually 
<laughs> I mean, that may kind of. I mean, kind of. <laughs> You're not wrong, but not exactly. For for whatever reason, in the stock image for Animal Man in my head is a puma, and I don't know why. Right. <laughs> I'm learning now. Well, his outfit's kind of like dark blue-ish. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're thinking that's puma-ish. Orange as well. No, I think I'm just thinking of that statue of the tiger in the uh, Tarzan treehouse at Disneyland. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Tony? Yes. Oh, God. What if it was? Now Tony I really want Tony the tiger to be in the Tarzan's treehouse walkthrough. It's g- 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 boring. <laughs> Fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you got this guy, Animal Man, who can summon the powers of animals, obviously, by which I mean, I guess he can sometimes fly like a bird. But doesn't, like, take on their their physical qualities? No, no. It's just, like, I can breathe underwater. Gotcha. But, like, to fly, would he still have to, like, flap like a bird? Uh, Or would he just, like, go up into the air like fucking Invincible does? Well, the beautiful thing about comic books is that I guess we never really have to know. Fair. Uh, due to the it, the hard nature of not being able to move in a single frame, I guess he can just be flying with his arms. You can choose hyper time, right? What 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 matters to you? <laughs> does Animal Man flap his wings like a precious bird? If so, does the bird he chose matter? Uh, does a does a particular wingspan take into account? Is there like a okay or does he just flap his arms because it makes him feel good (laughs) fuck this is a this is a good segment because uh another big tenet of grant morrison's writing is uh fuck alan moore uh (laughs) and specifically (laughs) uh specifically a kind of a kind of that's all right a big tenet of alan moore's writing is fuck dc comics (laughs) right uh Graham Morrison in a in a real sense feels that while deconstruction is fun it does not give you the good stuff <laughs> for lack of an articulate phrase um it is it, he he believes that you can sit there and wonder how is it that the light of a yellow sun makes this 250 pound beefcake fly what does it take to make a himbo fly earth's mightiest himbo yeah there's the subtitle brandon (laughs) fuck uh (laughs) you got this guy how is it that this happens you know there's somebody who wrote a term paper on the unifying theory of superman and grant morrison says ask any kid how he flies it's not real Shut up. It's not important. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. How does he fly? He does it. It doesn't matter. It's called suspension of disbelief, motherfuckers. Right. Not everything needs an explanation. There is there is a story from uh, the behind the scenes of one of the Lord of the Rings. I forget which one, but there's a big battle that takes place at night. And one of the actors asked uh, Peter Jackson, he was like, hey, where's the light coming from? Like, it's dark. There's not any like natural light here. Like where, where, where's the light coming from? Like, I need to know that like character wise. And Jackson was like, Oh, it's just coming from the sky. Don't worry about it. It's like a football game. (laughs) And it was, and it's like, it's that same sort of like, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. It just works. Right. But then, but that also like, you can then, once you accept that, you can, you know, delve deeper into things. 
Yeah, you can kind of uh, one of one of the greatest literary insults is inside of multiversity, and it is exactly to that general thrust. Uh, it's an issue called Pax Americana, oh, and yes. it is uh, I love that Pax Americana smokes so smooth. No, <laughs> I like the dose control on the Pax Americana. I like that they have six hits in them and cost forty dollars. <laughs> <clears throat> Hold on. <clears throat> I just have to make some calls. Uh, so Pax Americana, uh, for those who don't know, Watchmen was originally based on characters from the Charlton Comics Company, which was based uh, bought by DC Comics. So instead of Rorschach, you had The Question, which if you've ever seen the old Justice League show, you might recognize the guy with no face. That's The Question. Uh, you had Captain Adam, who also appeared on the Justice League television show. You had Peacemaker, who will be uh, in the upcoming James Gunn Suicide Squad film, yep. which is a movie I am looking forward to very much. It looks very stupid. I'm very excited. Just to clear the air, I, I won't speak his name, but when I say I don't like the films, what I mean is I don't like the DC films, except for Birds of Prey and Shazam is pretty good, and I like some parts of the first Wonder Woman. I don't mean to be disrespectful to you, Patty. I'm not, I have a lot of complicated thoughts on the Wonder Woman films, but a lot of that is because of the universe that they had to directly interface with. So we will not speak his name. Uh, my father absolutely loves those films, and I absolutely love my father, so I will be sitting down after uh, I get fully vaccinated, and we will be watching a four-hour-long movie. Fuck Aww. me. So, um... That's what the Pax Americana's for. Yeah, you fucking bet. So Pax Americana... <laughs> Pax Americana is a Watchmen parody, except to do a double reach around, which is Grant Morrison's specialty. Bum, ba, uh, da, ba. <laughs> sorry, is this a, We have to keep this PG, right? No. Um, not in the to fucking do a, to do a To do a two-for whoops-a-doodle, uh, the... Uh, Pax Americana takes place in the Charlton Comics universe with the Charlton Comics characters. It is a book that can be read backwards and forwards with a different story each time. Uh, and if you really delve into the story, if you try to spend time critiquing it and breaking it down, there's nothing. There's nothing underneath. <laughs> it is a big ball of twine, and at the center of the ball of twine is air. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 absolutely brilliant, but it is buck wild because it is a it it's a palindromic plot device, basically. <laughs> and it's just saying to Alan Moore, like, you got nothing, kid. Do you see? <laughs> Disassemble this. So he invented the temporal pincer. Got it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> kind of. We've the time knife. <laughs> the time the knife. Time We've knife? all seen the time knife. We've all seen the time knife. I mean, Grant Morrison has seen the time knife. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Grant Morrison was there for the carving of the time knife. Empty is thy hand. I'm not convinced Grant Morrison's not an architect, frankly. <laughs> um, he means in the good place sense. No, I understand. Okay. And I mean, I, I think they are just, they're currently <laughs> making space elsewhere you feel me like they are trying to put earth in a big narrative cage in the hopes that when we <laughs> uh in the hopes that if we just believe strong enough then we will be able to manifest the fiction into the real world uh, again 
to what degree is this metaphor? I don't know. Graham Morrison thinks they, sorry, Graham Morrison uh, says that they cured their cat's cancer with magic. I mean, seriously, there's not that many degrees of separation between like uh, Disney and Grant Morrison in terms of like, if I just believe in it enough, I'll make the technology happen. The country bear multiversity. Oh my God. I would like, you have like gender swapped universe and then you have like uh, the animated universe and then you have the one where they're all cowboys Mm. and then you have the one where they're all like, they're all tropical birds. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But that is Okay. Uh, listen, I don't have, D- Disney is definitely a dark side of, uh, oh, wow, I can't believe I've talked about Grant Morrison for this long. And I only then said dark side, um, uh, on top of other things, Grant Morrison made a map for the DC multiverse. Yeah, if you get the like deluxe edition, it comes with the map, and it's so cool. As as they say in the in the comic. So again, just to give this is from the multiversity, uh, the comic. Uh, this is in the guidebook. A child Batman and a Batman who is a oh god. Yeah, this looks like the uh, level up system in Final Fantasy X. Like, you're not that far off from its intentions. Uh, This is what reality looks like from the outside, right? Like, this is, this is what, this is what it looks like on a two-dimensional plane. And there are actually jokes and digs written into this map. Uh, There is, there is a sphere of the gods, which implies that, like, there's only ever one heaven for every earth. But every earth has their own, um, like, light shining through a prism. Each earth gets its own vibration of heaven to itself. But there's also Earth-6, which is directly connected to the pit. That's where Darkseid, the, arguably the god of fascism, lives. And what's Earth-6? Why, it's the Stan Lee Just Imagine universe. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Stan Lee and- Just Imagine-verse. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> uh, connected to New Genesis is Earth 51, which was a paradise Earth that was ruined and now is only traveled by a lone boy and his tiger friend. That's right, folks. It's the Jack Kirby universe. Can you guess yep. which side of that debate Morrison comes down on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got you've got the animated universe, and not only do you have the animated justice league universe in this map but you have the justice lords universe that's right you remember that justice league episode where they go to the other earth well that other earth is on this map here too baby this thing's got it all grant morrison is the epitome of my jokes are great if you've done your research Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um oh they also have the uh it's worth mentioning that this was being published at the time of the ultimate universe closing down and in the very first chapter of the multiversity, we meet Earth-7, which is a violent clone of Earth-8, a world that includes such characters as the Retaliators, led by the Crusader, that's Crew us Aider. Oh yeah, from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> right. Uh, and my personal favorite, Big Baby, David Dibble, can turn into Big Baby by saying... None more. Dumb think. Big baby. Giant blue Hulk wearing a diaper. 
Um, but we we get to see the ultimate universe die in this comic by DC. We get to see the yeah. Avengers here. We get to see the Avengers die in the DC universe. <laughs> uh, and it's really a statement of him. I mean, you can read into his politics, uh, uh, I think, pretty obviously when he says that there is a vacuous energy source that is torturing the heroes of the DC universe and sucking them dry. Uh, I think you can maybe imagine who he thinks that might be. If you know a lot of the uh, comics inside baseball, then yes. <laughs> yeah, right. If not, come see me after class. <laughs> right. But needless to say, corporate ownership of comics are something that Grant Morrison considers a annoyance at least, I think it would be safe to say. And myself included. So get out there folks i would definitely recommend you uh you maybe start light you don't want to you don't want to just blow out your metaphysical organ right out the gate ease your way into it especially if you don't already have a lot of really complex thoughts about the nature of story and canon and words and pictures and alex and i are both the kind of people that were already primed with a lot of those thoughts uh mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly my recommendation start with all-star superman it's a straight up and down 12 issue story about a superman who learns that he's gonna die and what that means but then don't go read All-Star Batman because it sucks. That's not literally the opposite vibe. <laughs> yeah, very opposite vibe. Don't think that they're going to be similar. Just just thought I'd throw that out there as a cautionary tale. All-Star Batman and Robin is the greatest comedy comic book I've ever read. <sighs> That's not what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> Never mind then. Yeah. If you ever do the I know you wouldn't be into it podcast, then I'm happy to talk about any number of vent, uh, vile men that I haven't <laughs> named on this, on this podcast. Oh, we will. We've done one so far. Okay, uh, good. I gotta, I gotta scope that out. Frank Miller's Middle Eastern work. One of those series has uh, Superman as the sun is about to be eaten realize that a young girl is about to make a very serious mistake and convinces her to walk off of a ledge and call someone who loves her and then proceeds to save the world uh in batman i'm pretty sure uh robin and batman paint themselves yellow to make yep. the green lantern mad <laughs> yep they yeah. sure do it's the dumbest bullshit of all time yeah, yeah. okay yeah yeah I like one of those comics a lot. <laughs> Our point is, yeah, start with All-Star Superman. I just thought I'd throw in the cautionary tale in case somebody mm. read that and was like, oh, I wonder yeah. if this Batman is similar. It's not. Don't do it. <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, you know, I want to leave you all with uh, the the question that, yeah, I'm not going to give any context to this. Uh, the, the question that uh, Dax Novu, the vampire monitor, asked Superman Prime, who is, of course, the combined form of uh, Superman of Earth Zero and Ultraman of Earth Three, his evil counterpart inside of a giant cosmic piece of armor constructed by the monitors, but they had since long forgotten its true purpose. And that's without context. That's without context. Dax Novu asks cosmic armor Superman, tell me, Superman. What is it that I should write on your grave? And at the end of the story, Superman answers with the only thing that he can ever truly give us. And the final page features a gravestone with the words, to be continued. I was going to say Martha. Oh. Way to fucking fuck. ruin it. Fuck you, Brandon. God damn it, Brandon. Fuck me. You make me so... Oh. No, sorry. Hold on. 
That was yeah. literally the antithesis. No, he did it. <laughs> yeah, you just Nine, broke Alex. Thanks. Eight, <laughs> seven. <sighs> thanks. Fuck oh, you, boy. Brandon. But but you know, at least I didn't kill him small. He died big. and we're back baby and we're back all right well thank you and i'm so sorry alex for joining us i'm so sorry we've done this the fucking word did you guys know fucking grant morrison's over here like superman is a sun god and batman is a god of dusk and fucking Zack snyder over here is like what if their moms were the same like god damn it (laughs) I mean, God only one of them gave it. us the owls of Gahul. So <laughs> take that into consideration. I don't know if that'll be a pro or a, a con in the long run, but it'll it'll change your math a little bit. It'll change his IMDb credits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broken. Yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us, Alex. I'm so sorry we broke you. That's fine. Um, if anybody wanted to argue with you about comics on the internet, I'm telling them don't, but you have the option here to tell them if they can. Yeah, my my Twitter account's private, so I made a new one. You can find me at Farce Tiger, that's F-A-R-C-E-T-I-G-E-R, on uh, the old Twitter, and I'm here to piss post about Darkseid. Hell yeah. Brandon, what about you? Uh, Yeah, if you want to find me, uh, you know, my shit's the same as it always is i'm at hell yes brandon on all the hell sites uh inkblot has some shows on youtube and soundcloud um and uh yeah that's really it at this point all right good talk um, great talk as always i never have anything to plug but you can find me on the internet at b scores with an underscore at the end but the easiest way to find me would be to follow the show online you can follow us on twitter at, at IntuitPod, and you can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on instagram we're also on facebook if you get any mileage out of that we are also members of the indiesaurus discord which is the discord network that is a part of the indiesaurus network which we are very happy to be a part of you can check out their stuff at indiesaurus com and that is i-n-d-i-e indiesaurus.com um yeah come on into the discord i post a lot of cursed shit we have our own channel where you get to see some of the uh, upcoming episodes with the uh, episode art early uh there's a whole channel dedicated just to pet photos because what discord would be complete without one it's a good time uh thanks as always to kaylin west and tiny stills for the use of our theme song starting over is a lot like giving up off the album falling is like flying uh and once again thanks to indiesaurus for having us on the network go check out their great family of shows that's all i've got well alex thank you so much for uh joining us today on this uh wild trip through the multiverses and it's one multiverse uh not anymore it's an omniverse now i'm so oh, sorry to, that's true. so 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 sorry to jock you like that beth i'm so sorry i've pleased everyone i've years of years of being wrong to beth i just had to slam okay but also still multiverse is still not a word fair <laughs> yeah alex thank you so much for uh joining us today on this uh wild trip through uh the mind of uh, grant morrison yeah uh anytime and uh, uh i'm I, you know next time you want me to talk about i know bionicle or uh the story of an eternal 15 dollars that i've enforced beth to own uh, and uh, refused. Uh, uh, i did pay you no you did but then uh, there was i don't think you did again because then i said because then i invented many reasons for you to owe me 15 dollars and i simply wish for you to owe me None 15 dollars i don't funny. want 
your money, Beth. <laughs> you want me to eternally owe you $15? You just asked for my money and I gave it to you, you because I trusted you. <laughs> you want my life debt in $15 increments. My ice cream bar. The funny thing is, it's not $15 all at once. It's over two incidents because you let me do it again. Two incidences of seven fifty or different? No, uh, one five and one ten. Okay. <sighs> copy, copy. And then I gave him 20 bucks for his birthday, and he said that that didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's that's true. Legally, that wouldn't hold up in court. And then you you wanted you wanted spend. I don't know if this is still the episode. It is. You want- it is. <laughs> Oh, cool, it absolutely cool. is. And then oh, I told great. him how much I asked him how much I uh, I would have to buy him out of his half of Spanixes for, and he said fifteen dollars, and I fucking sent it to him. But now I, I owe him my life debt in fifteen dollar <laughs> increments. I believe I said zero dollars, comma, but also fifteen. Fifteen dollars. <laughs> uh, go check out spandexless.com. I have no idea what it does will go. not exist anymore. Okay, great, awesome. I do actually still own it, but I yeah. don't have it up because yeah. I didn't really know what to do with the archive the archive exists uh, if anybody ever wanted to read an old review we have them but mm-hmm. yeah i want to go read that review of that uh bad video game comic that those guys got mad at me for writing <laughs> and you say you're not a comics fan i know right we had a couple of those <laughs> anyway uh all that being said you want to do it brandon you had so little to do this episode come on babe it's all yours well it- I, it seems like the only true way to end this episode would be to just like loop it back around to the beginning somehow. That's true. That's true. It's, if only we had a song <laughs> that literally is. Okay, whatever. I'm try- uh, fuck, I can't remember what song I did. Oh, no. Oh. oh. I think it was I Don't Have a Bit. I Don't Have a Bit. Oh, oh yeah. I Don't Have a Bit. For the end of the show, and then I and then I take Brandon's bit and I kick him backwards an hour in time as he lands at the beginning of the episode. I don't want to wait. Ah! Okay. All right. All that being said, podcast multiverse. <laughs>